0: Well, amen. I'm glad to be here today, and uh, I'm sorry that uh, we interrupted our visit Uh, two weeks ago today. We received a call at 9.15 in the morning that my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, had passed away suddenly with a massive heart attack. And so uh, we left here and uh, drove 3,000 miles round trip and got back and we're glad to be here now, but uh, we appreciate your prayers and your concerns and your expressions of compassion for us. Uh, it's one of those things that remind us that life is very brief, isn't it? And uh, it just uh, comes home to us, uh, sometimes suddenly, sometimes gradually, but uh, it's an event we'll all have to face. Thank the Lord. Uh, be knew the Lord as our Savior, was saved as a teenager, and uh, we grieve, but we do not grieve as others which have no hope. We'll see her again, and we're thankful for that. Well, it's a joy to be with you, to see new faces. And uh, I think we were here a couple of years ago, and uh, my, it's, uh, this place is filling up, and that's great. And One thing that I'm impressed with this church, every time, of course, you know we're staying back here. we got a free RV place back here, and so that's our home our only home, we sold our house in January, and so we're just on the road full-time. Somebody said, where do you live? I said, right there. And uh, we're just glad to be here. And, but uh, I'm impressed with the many people that I see doing something around here. Every time I turn around, there's somebody trimming the trees, and somebody's cleaning, and somebody's been with the kids, and, and, and that's just great. That's what a church is about. It's a family. And the family that grows together... Mm-hmm uh, it just, it's just a wonderful thing, and, and if you're not a part of this church, shame on you, you need to get in here, and, and get in the harness, and go to work, and, and get in on the fun, because they enjoy being a Christian. I found that out around here, and, uh, you know, the, the first time that I was here, uh, I, I didn't realize, but, uh, uh, I heard a shout from heaven, and, uh, But it didn't sound like a joyous shout. It sounded like somebody falling from heaven, and it was the parachuters that are coming down over here. I thought the rapture had taken place, and I'd missed it because a great shout was going up. But it's such a blessing to be here, and, and I want my wife to stand. If you haven't met her, she's my life partner. She's the one that did a good job on your pastor, so you see her for any notes you'd like to find out about what to do uh, with your children. She's got the answers, but uh, God has been good to us, and uh, uh, coming July the 31st, we celebrate our 60th wedding anniversary, and uh, thank you. She's a very patient lady. She's been working on me, and she's about got me where I think she wants me, but uh, I still got some rough edges, and... And I'm just glad that uh, the Lord given us those years because most of those years have been sent, have spent pastoring a church, starting churches, and uh, serving the Lord as we are now and trying to be an encouragement to churches. And we've just decided that uh, there are a lot of churches that just need somebody to come by and, and be a blessing and encouragement, and uh, that's our desire And God has used us in a magnificent way. Uh, Two years ago, we were in 40 different churches in the Northwest. And having spent 30 years in the Northwest, I'm talking about Washington State, uh, we were just so blessed to be involved in starting churches and helping churches get started and pastoring there. And uh, it's a joy to come back to churches like this and see the growth and see the new people and hear about people getting saved hear about people joining the church, hear about people getting baptized, and uh, that's what it's all about, folks. It's about people. It's not about property. You know, you could take everybody in this room and go out here in a field and still have a church. The building is a wonderful thing that we can be inside and so forth, but it's the people. And when you get around a pastor and his wife who have the people at heart, you can tell the difference. Well, that's not my message. I want you to turn to the fifth book of your Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the first chapter. And it's just a, a, a joy to come back to the Word of God and see, and, and as I we started the service this morning, the first song, it was like the Lord said, you chose the right message. I want to talk about, in my view, is it a dead end or a runway? Deuteronomy chapter 1 is a scriptural references to the experiences of the children of Israel who extended a journey into the wilderness. They could have gone from Egypt into the promised land in 11 days. But someone said that Moses' wife said, ask for directions, and he didn't. And It took him 40 years to get there. I see some men looking red-faced, and I know I'm the same way. My wife said, why don't you stop and ask? I was in Everett one time, and uh, we were in a predicament trying to find a certain place, and she said, why don't you stop and ask? So I went into this 7-Eleven store, and this guy could hardly speak English, he had just got off the boat, I believe, and was there and ever He had no idea where I could go. I come back, I said, he's worse than I am. I know the few main streets. But the conditions of today, and my subject is fear or faith. Uh, Jesus is coming very soon. And I'm glad that we have that joy of knowing He's going to take us out of this mess. But until he does, Jesus said, Occupy till I come. What does that word occupy mean? It means do his business. And I don't find that Noah quit preaching the day before it started raining. He drove nails and he built a boat, an ark. The Bible calls it an ark. And he did it right up until the last minute. And that's what we're supposed to do. Stay in business for the Lord right up until the shout comes and we're raptured off this earth. Fear or faith? I see a lot of fear today. Uh, any of you ever met or seen uh, John Madden? You know who John Madden is? He's a hulk of a guy. I mean, I would hate to face him in a football game and, and have to block him. I mean, he just looks like a wall. But did you know that John Madden crisscrosses this country as a sportscaster in a private bus. You know why? He's afraid to fly. Now, I don't want you to put your hand up if you're afraid to fly, but I've had some experiences flying. And uh, one of them was with Larry Stevenson. Larry Stevenson Stevenson lives in Walla Walla, Washington and pastor for many years, former missionary to Mexico, friend of ours. And uh, I went to visit him. He said, I want to take you up in my plane. I said, okay. Uh, I'm not crazy about little planes. For one thing, they don't equip them with parachutes, and that bothers me. But they tell me they'll glide for a long ways. So we go out to the airport. We pull this thing out of the hangar, and it's tiny. He gets in it. And I get in on the other side, and it is so small that I put my arm around him, and I'm not comfortable doing that with another man. But it's like a Volkswagen bug shrunk. And so he gets it going, and uh, he said, now I said, how much horsepower is this thing? He says, it has has 100 horsepower. I'm thinking, 100 horsepower? And you're going to get this thing off the ground? He said, well, the wind is really strong today, and I may have to take all the runway. It's too late. I'm buckled in. I'm a man. I don't want to show my cowardice. But I thought it was stupid when I thought about it. And we start down the runway, and and there's more runway, and then there's more runway, and then there's less runway, and then there's le- and then there's no runway. And I looked and I said, Larry, when do you, you know, pull back or what do you do? I mean, you know, he said, well, we've got to get up enough speed. And I said, thank you, Lord. This is it. I'm ready. Okay. I confess my sins. My wife's, uh, Larry's uh, forgetting me in this position. And finally, at the end of the runway, we lift off just barely clear the trees. And I have praised God since then for that experience. <laughs> we circle around and bounce around in the wind and so forth and so on. And then he tells me, I normally just fly by myself and your extra weight kind of give us a little more need of longer runway. And I was thinking he needs to extend that runway. Do you know, life is like that when you're in an airplane and if you're in a small airplane, you can see the end of the runway if you go in a big jet, you get in there, and you don't know what's going on up front. I mean, they could be having trouble, and you'd never find out about it. They could run out of runway. You never know about it. I, I, I talked to people today about accepting the Lord by faith and putting their trust in the Lord and in Christ and repenting and asking God to forgive them and put their soul's need in his care, and people say, well, you know, I just don't have the faith. And yet we express faith every day of our life. As I read through this scripture, I began to think about fear. There's a lot of fear in the world. If you have your Bibles open there, I want you to read verse number 28 and 29. And down through this passage. Whither shall we go up? this was the response that they were getting ready to go into the wilderness experience and they said, how are we going to do it? Because they just got a report that brought fear to their heart. They'd sent out 12 spies and the 12 came back and out of the 12, 10 had a bad report. But two said, Joshua and Caleb said, let's go up and take the land. God's given us this land. It's great, you won't believe it. It's unreal, but the majority said no. Now, let's read what their response to this report was. Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying the people is greater and taller than we, and the cities are great and walled up to heaven, and moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakins there. Those were giants. You know what can discourage you? The brethren can sometimes. I mean, sometimes a fellow believer can discourage you. Uh, You have to be careful. If you get around people that discourage you, you need to change the little fellowship with some who don't discourage you, that encourage you, that lift you up, that cause you to thank the Lord and to praise the Lord and to honor the Lord. I noticed also that they talked about the walled-up cities well, what did they expect? All the cities of those days had walls around them. Did they expect that God would just send them in to uh, conquer a people that didn't have walls? That was the normal thing. So it's normal to see those things that are uh, objects or objectives in our lives and to recognize them. And then they said the giants were there, the big guys were there, the eight and nine foot tall people such as Goliath. He was a son of Anakin. And, And they were discouraged because of the report. And then Moses said, God spoke to him saying, I said unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. What was he saying? Remember what happened in Egypt. How Pharaoh, the greatest king of a world empire that day, was defeated, not by them, but by who? By God. Now notice the next verse. This is our text. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went until ye came into this place. Did you get that verse down? If you'll reread it again, you'll realize that God was saying through Moses, God bear you as a father bears his son. I saw a grandfather today bearing his grandson. I don't know the grandfather's name, but the grandson's name is Brody. And you know what? It was interesting to me to see how grandpa was holding that boy. I mean, that boy was totally relaxed. He was totally at peace. He didn't care how much he owed on the national debt. He wasn't worried about the traffic tomorrow. He wasn't even concerned about where lunch was coming from today. You know why? Because he's in grandpa's arms, and his worries are all grandpa's. Now, I want to talk about this illustration because as you think about flying in a plane, you think about fear. I, I read a, uh, a account by Charles Lowry. And I want to quote him because I think this fits in with what we're talking about. He said, quote, I sat beside a woman on a plane who had never flown before and she was scared to death. She was so excited when she found out I was a pastor and I told her everything would be okay because up there, we'd be closer to the home office but her fear was contagious. The more she talked, the more afraid I started to get. I forgot to put my tray table up in its upright and locked position, and the flight attendant gave me that look, so I immediately put it up. Then I wondered why that's such a big deal. I've never read about a crash where the only ones killed were the people who forgot to put their tray tables up in the upright and locked position. I started listening to the flight attendant talk about the exit doors. The white lights lead to the red lights that lead to the exit doors. At 38,000 feet, who needs exit doors? Then I'm told that I have a flotation device under my seat. We're flying over New Mexico. It's a desert. People say that in Albuquerque when we had a big flood, you know, the big one, you know, Noah, we only got four inches there. (laughs) It's so dry that the cows have to graze at 60 miles per hour to keep from starving to death and they produce powdered milk. (laughs) I didn't need a flotation device. I needed a parachute. Then I started thinking about all the crashes I've read about. They always talk about those black boxes made out of indestructible material. And I wondered, why don't they make the whole plane out of that stuff? (laughs) Fear. Have you ever thought about how a dead-end road and a runway have one thing in common? They both come to an end. Think about it. I want to encourage you today, because when the Lord laid this message on my, thought, on my heart, I thought, there's going to be some people in that audience that maybe they're at a dead end. Maybe you've come to a place in your life where there's big decision to be made. Maybe there's a situation developed in your family or your finances or your situation on the job or maybe a spiritual step that you've come down your spiritual path and you've come to, and it looks like it's a dead end. But it could be a runway. It could be that God is getting ready to Launch you into a new thing. It could be that God has put you where you are in your life at this very moment because He's got something new and exciting for you. It could be your salvation of your soul, it could be your service for the Lord to be increased. It could be an avenue and a channel that God is giving to you that you have never experienced before. I want to give you three thoughts. First of all, as we look back to our text here in verse 31, I want you to think about your eyesight. What are you focused on? What are you looking at? As you read verses 26 down through 31, you'll find that they were not looking in the right direction and they became discouraged instead of being encouraged. You know, a plane ride, you sit there, and it seems like it takes forever. You spend more time in the airport getting in, checked in and checked out and so forth and on the plane and seated and everybody getting their luggage in. And I don't know about you, but I don't like those people that do a carry-on bag that's this big. You know, I don't know how in the world they think they're going to get that in the upper head, but they stuff it in somewhere, and it usually takes ever. Extra time, so I'm not a patient person by nature. So anyway, you finally get to the, and then they taxi out and they sit in line with a lot of other planes and you sit there and you sit there and then finally they say, we've been cleared for takeoff. And so everybody takes a deep breath. And there is interesting to, as if you can see the runway, you look down the runway and it looks like It's a short road that leads nowhere. Now, in a car, you can turn around. In a car, you'd say this is a dead end. But I'm in an airplane. In fact, I was in a 100-horsepower midget airplane. It has enough power, though, I'm told, to overcome the dead end. So I'm not depending on myself. Because I can't run fast enough to get that thing going fast enough to get it off the runway. And I find myself, depending on the pilot, and I have no idea what all that stuff means up there on the dash or the controls. But I'm really depending on the power that's behind that plane that's going to lift it off of that runway. You see, if you depend on the wrong power, you're going to crash. And I hear people and they tell me experiences and I've dealt with people over the years and I determined in my heart they depended on the wrong power. You see, by yourself, you can't get yourself to heaven. You can't work enough, long enough, hard enough, deep enough, strong enough. You can't make it. I've talked to people who are working their way to heaven and you know what I always found out? They don't have any peace. Jesus said that, If you know him, he said, my peace I give unto you. And and if I'm going to have peace about where I'm going when I die, then I need to have that peace right now, not when just before I leave. I want it now. And that's what Jesus came to give us from the cross. You see, there's a difference between faith and fear. Faith sees the dead ends as runways. It's not an end, but rather it's a launch pad to greater heights. It's the beginning of something greater in your life. The Red Sea experience was a dead end for the nation of Israel. We all know the story. But who intervened? God intervened. God split the water. God let them go through on dry land. I think of the experience that they came to Jericho. The walls of Jericho were so wide that they could have chariot races on the top of it. And they were so high, it was impossible. But I've been there, and you know what? The walls came down. The Jew didn't do it. Israel didn't do it. God did it. God brought the walls down. See, God intervened on their behalf. They ran out of water. God provided water. They ran out of food. God provided food. Their clothes, they couldn't go to Baxter and Banks or whatever you guys go to and and get new clothes. God said your clothes won't wear out. Now, I know some ladies would have a fit about that because they like shoes, you know, change your shoes. You're going to wear the same. Those husbands are really happy because they just say, honey, those shoes will never wear out. You can wear them all the way through. You know, God provided. God watched over them. You see, your, your view depends on your power source, whether it's a dead end or whether it's a runway. What's your power source today? Is it yourself? You run out of power. Not only your eyesight, but I think of the evaluation of the ratio. You see, the majority of the people that came back after doing that scouting, job they came back and they said you know it, it's bad We can't do it and so forth I want to remind you God's people have never been in the majority how many people got on the ark eight Wow and sometimes if you're in the office and you say something about uh, the Lord or you give a witness uh, action of giving thanks for your lunch or something uh, and 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 suddenly you realize, you're probably in the minority. But that's okay. Because it was the minority that were rescued in the ark. It's the minority that we see is few there be that find eternal life. So don't get discouraged because the numbers are not there. Twelve spies went out. Ten saw the giants. Two saw God. They saw what God could do. They saw if they depended upon God that it would not be a dead end. It would be a runway. They would be launched in some new experiences that they had never known in their life. Someone said you're not going to get good stuff without facing your fears, which is faith or fear. Looking through the eye of faith will see God in every situation and believing he has the power to turn every dead end into a runway. A preacher who loves souls was out visiting and he had bought a brand new car. It had five miles on it. And he had parked it on the out on the edge of the street, and he went in to visit this family. And a guy across the street backed out and backed right in the side of that brand new car. And he came knocking on the door and he said, I hate to say this because I didn't see that car there. It's not normally a car parked there. I know it's you're not illegally parked there. I just didn't see it. I backed out of the driveway and I am so sorry. And that man of God put his arm around that neighbor and said, sir, there's a reason why that happened. He said, well, I, I don't know what the reason is, but he said, I'm telling you, I'm so sorry. He said, I, and now you tell me it's a brand new car. You just drove from the dealership. It's got four miles on it or so. And, and, and he began to pause. He said, no, sir. He said, I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you born again? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the normal reaction that most of us would have if somebody ran into our brand new car. But you see, the car is temporary. The man's soul is permanent, eternal. And he's going to be in eternity in heaven or hell according to his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So looking through the eye of faith, that dead end could be a runway to launch you into something and that can lift you above your fears. You see, in verse 31, he says, For thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bear thee as a man, doth bury or carry his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. And thirdly, I want to t- talk about exaltation. Your eyesight, your evaluation of your life, what you're facing, and exaltation. You see, you talk about feeling. When you put your faith and trust in God, it glorifies Him. When we put our faith and trust in ourselves, it doesn't glorify Him at all. It glorifies us. Now, the experience of takeoff time is a thrill to me. I love it. I'm a car fan, and I love power. I'm driving the most powerful vehicle I've ever owned. It's a turbo diesel. And I get... I get tickled at my wife. She drove the other day, and she said, I'm, I'm doing 75 miles an hour. I said, yeah, honey, I hope you don't get a ticket. She said, well, this thing just gets up her so quick. I said, yeah, I like power. I love the car show. You guys hate her and walked around, looked at all those powerful engines, and, and when you start them up and they just throb, you know, and I think the power that's there. But that power has nothing to compare to what my God can do. He can come through in the most difficult situation. He can come through in such a way that you just shake your head and you say, Lord, I don't understand this. But God says, I do because I want to get glory and honor and worship and praise from your life as you trust me and you put your faith and trust in me you see that's when you're taking off that's where faith can overcome the fear i sit back in the seat i'm strapped in and i'm going to trust that pilot up there who i may have never met may never see but i trust he's up there but i'm also trusting as i look out the window and i see that big turbo jet engine and i know there's one or two maybe one in the tail and 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 there's enough power, get this thing, in and then he, he starts down the runway. And I love it when he shoves the throttles forward and you just feel the surge of the power. And as it begins, I, I begin to think, I'm not worried, this thing going to go to the sky. I mean, it, I'm not worried about how long the runway is. You see, because I'm not depending on me. I'm depending on the pilot, And the power of those engines to lift that thing off and shoot it in the sky. And I love it when they point it as straight up as they can. But I want to tell you something. If you're saved, if you're born again, you know the Lord is your Savior. There's a thing that we call the rapture. And you talk about power. The Bible says that in a moment, the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain together shall be caught up with the Lord in the air in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. If you blink your eyes, that's how fast we'll be gone. Now the the whole crux of the matter is when you get on a plane, you gotta have a ticket. There's no stowaways going to heaven. Do you know that? you got to have a ticket and that ticket was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross he died and he purchased your ticket and my ticket to heaven but you have to you have to meet the requirements you have to come and you have to ask him to give you forgiveness and to receive that love is above, beyond all explanation, and receive that passage to heaven. What a blessing. When God intervenes in our salvation need, he makes the difference. But God. Four to four times in the scriptures you'll find this phrase, but God. The Bible says in Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. You remember the story about Joseph sold into slavery? The Bible says the patriarch, his brother, moved with envy and sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Those two words change everything in your life. I remember the morning that I attended to church with my parents. First time I remember being in church, I was about five years old. We <laughs> sat on the back row, as your pastor said a couple weeks ago, where our center and we had to move down, if you remember. My wife got right and we moved down today. But <laughs> well, we were sitting there and the gospel was preached and my dad walked out, came down the front, and someone took the Bible and showed him how to become a Christian, how to be saved. I wish I had the time to give you my testimony. Our life was so changed. We went home that day. For the first time, I, I heard my dad pray and give thanks for the food. For the first time that week, there was no Friday night, Friday night party and going to dances and alcohol involved and all that stuff. No, it was different. And the next Sunday he went to church 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 and he ran into his brother and his brother said, oh, you've got a, you've got a little kick thing there. It, it'll wear off. It didn't wear off. He lived the Christian life until he died a few years ago. He lived an example. You see, my mother and dad were about ready to, to get a divorce There was constant arguing, fighting, fussing, and unbelievable. The temper was there, destruction was there, divorce was there, and it was a dead-end road. But God intervened, and God changed a family, and God called people out of that family. There's a list of 20-some people that are now serving God full-time, because of the salvation of that one man. But God. You say, well, my, my situation's terrible, Brother Jane. I don't, I don't know how. Listen, let God intervene. Take God in his word. Put your faith and trust in him. If you're not a Christian, come and receive Christ. Someone take the Bible and show you how you can have that life that's launched to the greatest experiences. And I want to tell you something. If I die and there's no such thing as heaven, I've had a greater life living for the Lord than I've seen others who haven't lived for Him. In this life, more abundantly, the Bible says, you can have a more abundant life. I beg you, let but God intervene in your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father. I thank you for this time as such an attentive audience. The needs are great here, as they are everywhere. But you are the one who can fulfill that need. And Lord, as our pastor comes and leaves this invitation, I pray that we might yield to your wooing of your Holy Spirit and let our dead ends become a runway in our life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.